0: Please send Mashiach. Well, I want to get into Parasha BeHukotai. So I want to start off with some G shekel here. It's ridiculous. G shekel Shlita, known as Gadai with Bet Yisrael over in India. He says this in his uh, commentary. He's gleaning. So if we go to Zechariah fourteen nine, which is part of the Elenu, by the way. ushemo Okay, so which is, on that day, Adonai should be one and his name, one. Okay, so it's important to know, Echad, uh, Ushmo Echad, which is one, and his name, one. The last letter of that phrase, of each of those words, is Dalit Vav Dalit, which is David, which is, we're talking about Mashiach Ben David. So with the coming of Mashiach Ben David, Hashem's name will be unified, which means the ultimate defeat of Amalek and the ultimate defeat of death. So talk about resurrection, talk about no more dying, talk about no more sickness. You talk about no more enemies of our soul. That's the that's the coming of Mashiach Ben David. So coming on that verse, he says, this is why Adam, who is Israel, is closely linked with the Torah, of which it is said it is a tree of life to those who take hold on it. This tree is the matron, the sephirah of Malkut, known as kingship, through their connection with, with which Israel are called sons of kings, On this account, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help. I will make him a help for him. Beresheet 218. This is the help of. Oh, my goodness. This help is the Mishnah, the oral Torah, the handmaid of the Shekinah. If Israel deserve well, it is a help to them in the captivity from the side of the permitted, the clean, the proper. If they do not deserve well, it is a hindrance to them from the side of the unclean, the unfit, the forbidden, the clean, the permitted, and the fit signifying the good inclination, the unfit, the unclean, and the forbidden signifying the evil inclination. Thus, the Mishnah resembles the woman who has both pure and impure blood of menstruation, but the Mishnah is not the spouse of his real union for real union is denied to him until the mixed multitude <clears throat> shall be removed from the earth. On account of this, Moshe was buried outside of the Holy land. Sonzino Zohar, Bereshit section one page 70 or 27 B. All right. That's, I mean, are we really just going to go into Behukotai like that? Yes, we are. The Torah. Okay. We know has life and death depending on what we want to do with it. Mashiach is either savior or destroyer, depending on what we do with him. Cause if we don't listen to his words, uh, You don't get Mashiach. But if you want the Mishnah, the oral Torah, if you want to listen to the sages, it will bring you life. If you don't want to listen to the sages, it's going to bring you death. This is known as the helpmate of Israel, the helpmate of man. Like, okay, seriously? The Mishnah is the wife? (laughs) And the man is the Torah? Okay. That's okay. That's ridiculous. All right, so... Why do I want to start out with that? Because as we're looking about being in the commandments of Hashem, diligently following in the statutes and the commandments of Hashem, we have to know how are we following? Are we following because Hashem commanded? Are we following because we're trying to have an agenda to do something apart from what Hashem's desire is? Because if you're in Torah and you have no intention of really having a humble heart, being born again, being made new really following after Hashem, really being transformed. If you don't have any of the intention and you want to follow the Torah, you want to read the word of God and you want to study, you want to throw down and droshes, and yet you don't have any kind of self-change that you want to go through, Torah becomes death to you. It's your own death device. So the more and more of it you drink, the more and more of it, it will kill you. So how are we... uh, are we doing with that? You know, our Torah, our Voda, our Chesed. Is it for Hashem? Is it for the sake of heaven? So one of the the reasons we say the Bracha before reading the Torah is to understand why are we studying the Torah? You know, and before I do each Torah portion, you've noticed because I'm doing different episodes that um, I do the blessing before and after the Torah on the first episode, and then the rest of the episodes are yearning for Mashiach. And so, every drash that I'm giving, I want that to be in the merit of bringing Mashiach. And I and I read and I look in the Torah expecting Mashiach. And again, that blessing before Torah, we say, Lamed Torah Lishma, like we want to study the Torah for its sake. There's no other reason for studying the Torah than for the sake of he who commanded it. If you study Torah like that, you will be mind blown by what you find. So anyway, same way we need to be observant of the commandments. We're doing the mitzvah. We're growing in our halakha because Hashem has commanded that. So therefore, if we get into wanting to follow halakha and commandments on our own whims and on our own uh, mind delusional things that happen to us, thinking that we're better, we got it, we know more than anybody else, we know more than our leadership, our leadership is, you know, we say leadership is stupid or whatever. If we ever feel ourselves wanting to say that or thinking that, then we need to understand that we've now moved ourselves into a place of death because we've upped our ante in the arrogance column. So get rid of all those chips. <laughs> You got to know when to fold them, okay? And that's the time to fold them, all right? So, um, Parshat Behukotai concludes the book of Vayikra with the section of so called blessings and curses, or better, rewards and punishments that attempt to motivate readers of the book to observe God's statutes and commandments. The Midrash understands the opening phrase of our parsha if you walk in my laws it says as indicating the Torah's desire that we internalize God's laws. As you walk in Torah, you are internalizing the word of Hashem. So that's really cool. When Mashiach says I'm the I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And if we follow that, then we're going to internalize the Torah, which is the whole reason we made the golden calf is because we did not internalize the Torah. We we said, Hashem, we accept your Torah. And he was like, all right, well, I'm going to give it to you. So hold on for a second. I'm going to bring these from the throne. I'm going to give you I'm going to wrap them up and do all this beautiful presentation for you. They're going to float. It's going to be like a miraculous. The letter's going to be floating and everything. It's going to be like, I'm taking black fire and white fire and putting it into like this world's format for you. So that way, it, when you grab a hold of it, it doesn't incinerate you. It's going to cause you to, be able to live and walk. So let me do that for you real quick. And we're like, okay, Hashem, cool. We got it. All right. Hashem is turning black fire and white fire into sapphire tablets for us. All right. Let's make a golden calf. It's just like, so did we not mean what we said? Was our yes not yes? When we said, nah, say whatever Hashem said, we'll do. So that's what we have to realize that as we're walking in the the laws of Hashem, Bechukotai, that as we go in His ways, we're internalizing it. And if we're walking in the Torah of Hashem, it's impossible to make a golden calf. It's impossible to be caught up in idolatry because we're walking with Hashem. The people who followed Mashiach, you know, the people who were true followers of Mashiach, let's put it that way. Uh, when he said hard stuff, they were still around when everybody left. You know, uh, you know, Rabbi Griffin Shlita was on the Aliyah day for the first reading of Parashah Be- Behar Bechukotai, and he was bringing down some heavy truths that were super offensive. And he was like, I I'll try to live every day. I want to wake up and not offend people. And I'm like, psh. You're in the wrong line of work. Obviously, he was being facetious about that, but I know he has no problem telling it like it is. So obviously, we we knew that, but some people who are tuning into the program probably didn't, uh, and and that was kind of probably shocking. So I may mean, Haggadosh ku bring shalom to everybody. But yeah, we have to realize there are some things that's gonna be offensive. But if we want truth, then we got to realize we got to take it by force. We got to be violent. We got to be suited up. We got to be about our father's business. So, and as we do that, we go, we're we going to internalize the Torah and all that death and all of that horrible darkness and stuff that's inside of us that we, you know, whether we have to, whether we went through horrible things as a child and growing up or whether we're going through horrible things or whether we've been, uh mind Uh, brainwashed and conditioned to think otherwise about the rabbis and the Torah. like We got to know that as we internalize the Torah, all that stuff is getting taken care of. Taking care of business. Yeah, that's what's going on. So, but we have to keep walking in order for that process to happen. Like when you make a smoothie, right? And you put it in your cup or your glass or whatever you use, you know, chalice. There we go. Uh, When you finish a smoothie, there's all the remnants, right? And if you let that cup sit for a while, that that all crusts up and it gets all grody and stuff. Well, how do you clean that out? You got to run water in it. Sometimes you need to run hot water in it to speed up the process. And you keep running the water, run the water, get the scrubbing agent and all that kind of stuff. Or you can just run water when it's uh, fresh in there and it'll run all the bad stuff out. And you'll end up with pure water in there, right? That's what it's like walking in the Torah. So... Uh, unless you're confessing everything with the quickness and walking into Shuva with the quickness, you're like that freshly drank cup of smoothie. That's got the stuff in it. And it's like, I just need to get some water ran in there so I can clear this stuff out real quick and clean my vessel. But if you haven't confessed things, if you've gone through things in your life that you weren't aware of, you're like, you're going to need to sit and soak. (laughs) You're going to need like some super detox detergent agent up in that joint. You know, so you know, and a lot of us are on so many different levels with that. We have things that we're just realizing. Oh, I did that. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, let's clear that out. Some stuff is taking some time to clear that out. We're soaking. We're like, oh man, you're gonna need to give me like six years. You're gonna need to give me like six months. You're gonna need to give me whatever. So that's what we need to know. But Kukotai is really speaking to that, and so it says that we internalize God's laws thoroughly so that they become our major purpose in life. Even if we initially define our life's journey in terms of different goals, God's laws will hopefully become our ultimate destination. So I just love G-Shuckle bringing that down. Going into Rabbi GQ uh, Shlita, Rabbi Greenbaum, he says, the life of Torah and mitzvot should be one, Sleka of constant striving to move forward from level to level in our fulfillment of the actual commandments. In every commandment that we carry out, there is a level of meaning that we can grasp within our minds, yet at the same time, the mitzvah has profoundly deeper meaning that is now beyond our grasp. So you think you're wearing ZZ, you think you're wearing your tekel, right? Okay. I get it, blah, blah, blah. But just remember, there's always more to the story. So we need to be going from level to level, okay? Deep calling into deep kind of things. And it says, meaning that it is now beyond our grasp. So these are two levels of Naseh Venishma, which is we will do, we will hear. And uh, it says Naseh applies to we will do, which is within our grasp now we get it we're doing it the physical mitzvah with this plain intention we will do that's that part we must go ahead and do it now on the simple level remember simple faith brings the redemption so we need that okay even as we yet do not have deeper understanding even if the level of venishma which is we shall hear which is understanding with that still beyond us to go in God's statutes mean to strive constantly to turn that which is as yet beyond us, our venishma, and make it into our naase, something that we can meaningfully accomplish. This is brought about when we pray to God to help us in our practice and to give us deeper understanding. Deeper understanding also depends upon deeper study. So just know that. Even the boat that you feel like you have down and under your belt, there's way more. You will never get enough insights. You will never get enough study. You will never know it all and have it down. Because even what you think you know is barely scratching the surface. Again, I'm really big on this this week because, you know, with the closing of the Sefer of VaYikra and realizing the time and the season that we're in. Don't let anybody take your faith from you. Don't let anybody like swipe you out and be like you. You need to stop being observant because you're you're terrible at this. You're just terrible, Loretta. You're terrible. Okay, like don't let people do that to you. Okay, so Khaspe Shalom. We are Loretta's. Okay, we don't need to be that. Okay, we don't need to just cop out and be wiped out and smudged out and all that kind of stuff just know that whatever we can do now let's do it and understand there's always something beyond our grasp that will become a part of our grasp as we continue to walk in the statues of hashem if hashem's will is your ultimate goal which i pray it is it's all going to work out that's what we need to focus on and again by the time you really like realize how deep you're into everything mashiach will be back so that'll cut out your uh predicting when he's coming because you're spending so much time focused on these mitzvahs you're like how much time do i got about 70 or 80 years maybe 120 if Hashem is really awesome to me and stuff But even if he's not really awesome to me and stuff in that, in that manner, he's really awesome to me and stuff in other ways. So uh, let me go ahead and just take care of some mitzvot real quick and uh, know that even if I feel like I know it all, I don't literally, what do we know? What do we know should be a thing? So again, I want to just shout out to our leadership. You know, you got to think that's a hard position to be in to lead. A get you some nation of Lapidniks, you know, yes, I'm talking about our rabbi. I'm talking about our bait Dean I'm talking about Keturah. I'm talking about our lay leaders, our Chazan, you know, that it's gotta be hard to be in that leadership role because people are constantly going through things, constantly studying. Some people learn faster. Some people learn slower and we're all having to keep the flock together. And it's like, we got to work together. And for someone who feels like, oh, I know way more than you. I don't know why you're in leadership. It's like, well, did you ever consider what leadership involves? And did you ever consider why you know what you know? Because you're supposed to help other people with that. And how's your household, by the way, Mr. Know-It-All or Mrs. Know-It-All? How are y'all doing in your house? You know, is there shalom in your house? Is there order in your house? Because, you know, unless everything is in order in your life, you don't have time to really tell other people how their life is not in order. It's just like, oh, I can't believe your house is just a wreck. Your couch is not facing the right direction. Your kitchen has dishes in the sink. And it's like, okay, so you're hoarding. You're uh, over here sleeping around or you're doing horrible stuff, uh, drinking and gluttony and all that kind of stuff. I mean, who knows what the gamut of things are? So all of us have issues and all of us have things that we need to work out. And if we're not paying attention to that and we're doing all this other stuff over here, we're we're defeating the purpose of our existence. So usually when those kinds of things come up, um, people bucking up against leadership, that's a sign of personal problems. Self-incrimination at its finest. So, humility will go a long way to to work all that out. By the way, so if you remain humble, and if you continue to walk in the ways of Hashem, you're going to see people come and go, come and go, and it's going to be so sad because you're going to see people come in and don't know nothing. They're going to learn so much. They're going to swell up. They're going to be like a big supernova. And you're going to think, oh my gosh, they are running the shul. This is amazing. I want to learn everything from this person. Only to find out that they spark out and die. They leave the shul. They're upset with somebody. And it's like, what happened to all that amazing kedusha that you were bringing down? Well, it wasn't. Or if it was, it wasn't properly channeled and the vessel broke. Kabbalah teaches that when you're uh, receiving the light that you have to have a vessel worthy of that light because if you pull in too much light into your vessel and your vessel's not refined enough and ready for that amount of light, you're going to shatter. You're going to break. And this is what happens when people leave the community. They leave observance, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Their vessel's broke. They couldn't handle it. So if you're receiving light, you know, make sure it's in in, uh, in tandem with what your vessel can hold. So don't try to force too much into you at once. And, you know, if you're doing good, okay, I can receive that. Okay, cool. All right. Whoa, whoa, it's getting too much. Then you stop. Okay. The the race is not given to the swift, but to those who endure. Just remember that. So Behukotai is teaching us that, that smooth, like, way, truth, life, walk in it, you know, get your vessels clean work your musar, uh, develop your character, refine your character, continue to make teshuva, humble yourself, lower yourself yet and still, be servants to one another, you know, serve Hashem for His sake. So Rabbi GQ goes on to say, when we thus turn what was our venishma into our new level of na'aseh, because we now incorporate our newly attained deeper insight into our practice, we thereby discover that a new level of Anishma opens up ahead of us. It's like, oh man, that was, I don't, I don't think I get, oh, I reached it. I got it. And it's like, well, look what's in front of you now. Oh my gosh, that is so far away. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, Lord. And he's like, how do you think you made it to where you are now? I mean, if I think about, How I made it to where I am now. I went from you know celebrating all sorts of festivals and eating all sorts of food to now being like eating kosher and serving Hashem and things like that. And it's just kind of like I never would have imagined myself being a Jew. I thought I was going to be a Southern Baptist Christian my whole entire life. Little did I know I would become a goodbye, and I'd become Shomer Man. I'm grateful for my superpower. I don't know about you, but I'm just saying, goodness gracious. All right. So, yeah, that opens up ahead of us. So even if you think you've excelled and succeeded, just remember, there's always more ahead of you. You're never done. OK, you're never done. And it says it is this higher level of anishma that we must now strive to attain and turn into a new higher level of not say for ourselves we must continue this way striving to go from level to level constantly integrating new levels of understanding into our practice thus we constantly go from level to level in our practice lakute Maharon part one torah 22 and you know i got to do it i got to go to straining and pressing towards the high mark Of our call in Messiah. This comes from the writings to the Philippians in chapter 3, picking up in 12. Now, not that I have already obtained all this. So, what is he talking about? Let's go back. I want to know Mashiach and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to him in his death and somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Okay. So that is the resurrection from the dead final redemption power of Mashiach, the black and white fire Torah, the Torah as it was before we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good evil. That's Vanishma. We're currently in Nase. We're trying to get to Venishma. So what does he say? Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Mashiach Yeshua took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Shaul understood Lakute Maharon. He was just like, listen, there's levels ahead of me. I got to strain and get to those things. I got to do some behukotai stuff up in here, which kind of sounds like a form of martial arts. Muay Thai Or something like that. Anyway. So, uh, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of god's heavenly calling the upper call and the mashiach you know each of us has a portion in mashiach by the way because mashiach is a body of many members so we got to find our portion in him literally find our torah portion and do it you know we all have a call in our torah portion which is why your name and your torah portion are significant and even another level of that is your avenger name if you're a avenger your name is also connected with all that so it says, all of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. So if you really are mature, you realize you haven't made it. You haven't achieved. You have yet to be successful in everything. So you cannot tell anybody that they're not successful in anything because you yourself, you know, you're not. So all of us who are mature should embrace this view on three, one, two, three. Amen. Okay, and if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. Nevertheless, we must live up. We must live up. The world says you need to live it up, but the Torah says we need to live up. Wow. The world says you need to live it up, but the Torah says you need to live up. Wow. (laughs) Grab on to the mitzvah. Go ahead, put on your keeper. What? Go ahead and put on your keeper. What? Go ahead and put on your taco, ladies. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay, music is coming down right now. This is happening. If if there's a Shomer Man album that comes out, Bezrat Hashem, is going to be called Midbar H. and uh, it started from these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the world says you need to live it up. The tour says you need to live up. Go ahead and put on your kippah. <laughs> Go ahead and do a mitzvah. What? Okay. Wow. Okay, I'm getting freed right now, y'all. This is happening in front of your eyes. Okay, or in front of your ears, but you can uh, hear. You can see what you hear. If you're holy, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say holy, 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 but I'm just, I'm just playing around. Just a little shul humor, everybody. A little Torah humor. I'm really intrigued by this word dioko, which is the word It's Greek. It's Greek to me. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it doesn't matter because here's what the definition is. Pursue and persecute put to flight. Hmm. Properly aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch prize. This is the uh, pressing towards the high mark. That's what this is. This action of Bekukotai that we're supposed to be in, diligently walking in Hashem's commandments, is this word. Okay, so it says this is positively used and earnestly pursued, negatively as zealously persecuting and hunting down. Which is actually what Shaul used to do to people who follow Torah, by the way. He used to go hunt them down. Anyway, in each case, uh, Dioco means pursue with all haste, chasing after earnestly desiring to overtake. Is that how you feel about the mitzvot? Oh, snap. That you want to chase it down? Listen, y'all, they, the, who is this? The, uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon just gave the Hebrew equivalent. Radaf. Oh man, I'm so ready for this. Okay, bring it. Radaf, where is this word first used? Bring it. Bring it, Prep Day. Okay. Beresheet 1414. Beresheet 1414. Survey says... What does it say? Oh gosh. Abraham rescuing Lot. Goodness gracious. And when Abraham heard that his relative had been captured he mobilized the 318 trained men born in his household and they set out in dioko is the greek word Radaf is the hebrew word as far as dan okay so first of all there's a midrash on this that teaches eleazar is 318 in gematria So it wasn't necessarily 318 men. It was actually Abraham and Eliezer going to go rescue Lot. By the way, they were taking on the uh, the four kings who who uh, who destroyed the five kings. And we're talking about the four four kings. We're talking about uh, who we got. We're talking about the war of the kings. So Amraphel, king of Shinar. Ariat, king of Elessar. Khaliomer, Omer, king of Elam. And Title the king of Goim. Okay, these four people, some seriously ridiculous people that you probably don't want to mess with, Abraham and Eliezer took them down. There's a midrash that brings up that the dust was used in this fight, that Abraham kicked dust in the air and they turned in the arrows and killed all the, the kings and their armies. Uh, also, just thinking about even if it was Abraham and Eliezer and the 318 men, Eliezer would have been a part of the 318. It says that the men of Abraham's household are trained men born in his household, trained in what? Trained in Torah. When you are trained in Torah, you become a warrior, whether you know it or not. This is why we talk about, Knee to the face, elbow off the top rope, Divine get the table, all sorts of uh, wrestling references and martial arts references because Behukotai sounds like a martial art form because if you're pursuing and chasing down the commandments, that's what you're doing. You are doing martial arts. And you go to wonder, why do we not lose a single battle unless we sin? when we went into the land of Israel to remove the Canaanites from the land that Hashem said, y'all need to go. And they were like, no, we're not. And Hashem was like, all right, well, Israel's coming. They're going to kill you. So either you can get with the program or not. And they're like, we ain't getting with no program. We ain't converting. We don't accept your Shalom. And it was like, all right, they're going to wipe you out. And guess who's at the front of that battle? Yehoshua, AKA Yeshua. So, Just know you're you're doing some martial arts, ladies. Okay, so here's the thing. Not to be all weird and whatnot. So just saying that, because I know when someone says, oh, not to be weird, it's like, oh, you're about to be weird. But seriously, one of the things that I love is uh, fight scenes. I love watching martial arts fight scenes. And one of my favorite fight scenes to watch is like the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Where those two ladies were battling and the, the whole... I mean, that scene is ridiculous. But I love martial arts movies that show ladies who can fight, and who throw down. Like the one woman versus the army kind of stuff. Okay, so listen, ladies, you need to know that is exemplified in you lighting candles. and you making hala, and you observing Nida. If you're doing any of those things, you're literally like one woman fighting against a whole army and being victorious. Which I just want to shout out. I, I love that, and I think that's really cool, you know, and that's amazing. So, kudos to y'all, okay? um, Yeah, so anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. I guess I can go ahead and throw out the Scarlet Witch scene versus Thanos in Avengers Endgame. Ultimate favorite scene of the movie. I loved it. It was great. Got cut too short, but that's alright. Anyway, so... For what y'all need to know about me liking martial arts, there you go. But it's literally is what we do as we keep the mitzvah, we're doing martial arts. What does this word Radaf mean? Goodness gracious. It means to chase, put to flight, follow after hunt, be under persecution, be a pursuer to chase and to put to flight. Which is by the way in be- uh Behukotai talking about, you know, putting to chase um thousands. You know, uh, let me see if I can go to this real quick. There's so much to really get into when you look at Parsha um, Bekukotai. Let's see here. I'm in chapter 26 right now. Want to go to the part about people fleeing? There it is. All right. Thank you, Hashem. Twenty-six thirty-six. As for those who remain, I will bring the weakness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, so that the sound of a driven leaf will put them to flight, and they will flee as one flees from the sword, and fall, even when one. Even when no one is pursuing them, they will stumble, stumble over one another as if before the sword, when no one pursues and you will have no strength to stand before your enemies. You will perish among the nations and the land of your enemies will devour you. So that's, that's what happens if you don't, um, serve the Torah, right? So if you, if you go, whatever, I won't keep the commandments. I won't walk in your ways. Then let's go back to what happens if we do. So in 26, starting in verse six, it says, I will bring Shalom in the land and you will lie down with no one making you afraid. I will remove dangerous beast from the land and no sword will pass through your land. You will you will chase, which is this word, strain press, Radhaf Dioko. That word is right here, says your enemies That's what you'll do to them. They will fall before you by the sword. Five. Listen to these numbers. Five of you will chase 100. Five to 100. That's the ratio. People are going to be afraid of five Jews. A hundred people afraid of five people. What? Now and it goes... And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. So now we're multiplying this joint. Okay. 10,000 people afraid of a hundred people. No wonder Abraham and 318 men were like, whatever to these four Kings. Cause you realize they walked in toward too, right? It says Abraham will command his children after him. To follow the Torah, the statutes of Hashem. So, yeah, your enemies will fall by the sword before you. So when you look at this passage, this also applies to the enemies of our soul that are within us, which is the Yetzirah, all of our sinful desires and, and things like that, um, that when we're in Torah, we're going we're gonna to we're going to put to chase. We're going to put to flight a lot of these things in our life. So that way, these things are not going to be issues for us anymore. I mean, yeah, we're going to have to battle a little bit, you know, but okay. A hundred people being destroyed by five people, these five people had to be about their business. So, you know, with the commandments, yeah, you're going to, you're going to exert some effort, but you're going to be victorious, but you got to exert the effort though. So, so yeah, I just love that whole aspect of, you know, the five chasing a hundred, the hundred chasing 10,000. That's man. That's ridiculous all right so let's finish up with some uh lakute torah and some rabbi stein salts. yeah we're gonna have to go back to parsha more for stein salts, though because i mean he didn't i, I don't have the stein salt humosh, and um he's if you sign up for their emails they send out stuff every day every stuff is always on sale with stein salts. <laughs> so just know that believe that trust that but uh, from time to time on their email list, they'll be like, hey, you want to download this week's tour portion from the Steinsaltz Humash that you need to buy? You can have this, parsha. You can't have the next one, though. But you can have this one. And it's like, okay. And then you go one, and it's like, oh, two tour portions later. Hey, you want to download this, parsha? You know, because you want this Humash, right? I'm like, Steinsaltz, boy, you crazy. Okay, anyway. So that's why we're going to quote from and more from Steinsaltz. But just so we know... Behar Behukotai is getting us ready for future redemption, letting us know until that time comes what we need to be doing, but what we can anticipate. Here's what we can anticipate coming soon to the world that we're in. The Phenomenons of the Future Era from Lakute Torah Behukotai, the verse states ha'aretz Yevula, and the earth will sprout forth produce. The sages in Torah Koanim expound on this verse various phenomena that will take place in the future. In the future, the world will revert back to the state it was found at the time of creation. Prior to the sin of Adam, instead of needing to plant a seed and wait a certain amount of time until he can reap the benefits of its fruits the earth will sprout forth produce of that seed on the same day that it was planted there will be no delay in its growth this is just like it was in the past in the times of adam harishon prior to the sins prior to the sin furthermore The actual bark of the wood of the tree would be edible. And it goes on to say, similar to the actual fruit. So it's like, did you give me a piece of bark? And it's like, yeah, it tastes exactly like the fruit. What are you complaining about? Anyway, (laughs) I guess bark has bite. Okay, uh, even non-fruit-bearing trees will bear fruit in the future. And hence, there will be no tree. Say no tree. No tree. From which one does not receive benefit. This right here is why we're not going to need to go to grocery stores. Okay, so if you're upset about the economy shutting down, grocery stores, all that kind of stuff, just know with the Final Redemption... Okay, You really won't need to go to grocery stores because you'll just be able to go right outside if you have a tree next to your property and you can eat from that tree. And don't worry about eating too much because the tree will replenish itself. Every 30 days there's going to be new stuff on that tree. One month it might be brisket. One month it might be pomegranates. One month it might be... uh, Who knows? Just know that's, that's something coming up. And it goes on to say... The greatness of the future era is expounded by Hazal in various areas of text, include and include the following other phenomenons. The earth will grow loaves of bread. Look out, guess who's going to be out in the field? This guy <laughs> eating holla straight out the ground. <laughs> wow, the earth is going to just. Bring forth bread It's like here eat this One of the things I think about Remember the Talmudim were uh, Going through the field And eating the heads of the grains And people were like Oh no the disciples are harvesting They're breaking Shabbat and She was like Don't you remember the story of King David And eating the king's bread His men You know doing that They're like Yeah we don't want to talk about that right now Y'all are violating Shabbat Let's talk about that And Yeshua was like No 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 Let's talk about why I'm bringing this up could it be that Mashiach allowed that grain that the Talmudim to pick was actually like eating fresh loaves of bread straight out the earth? Because remember, Mashiach is a walking Mount Sinai. He's a walking redemption that we're waiting on. So if he's with his Talmudim, who's to say he could make the bread grow directly from the ground during that time? He's like, guys, let me show you what it's going to be like in the future. See this grain right here? All right, let's go we'll walk through this. Let's, let's go eat some lunch real quick. You know, it's Shabbat. We're not supposed to be cooking anyway. So let's just go ahead and eat straight from the earth. How multi-lech I mean, you know. Anyway, that's just a little, a little drosh to just kind of think about, a little midrash. I know it doesn't say that in the text, but you just got to think about putting some dots together. I mean, they're walking with the bread of heaven. Who's to say that he didn't, you know, give some Kedusha to that grain that the disciples were eating? Even if it didn't turn into a loaf of bread, what if it tasted like loaves of bread as they were eating it? So anyway, that's just my two cents on it. Not necessarily saying that that's exactly what happened, but I mean, the earth is going to grow loaves of bread for crying out loud in the Messianic times. So uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, instead of us needing to plant a kernel, wait for the harvest, grind the kernel, mix the flour with water, bake the bread, the earth itself will spit forth actual ready to eat loaves. A kernel of wheat will grow like a palm tree and each kernel will be the size of two kidneys of a large ox. You ever seen a big loaf of challah? I'm talking like a just big for no reason. Like, what did you do? Did you let this sit out for three days and just rise? You know, Mashiach rose on the third day. He didn't rise for three days. And it's like, well, I just left it. I just left my holla out for a little bit. And I just, the dough just rose up because it was holy like that. I mean, I'm not complaining that the hollow's is big, but I'm saying it's got to fit in the oven so we can cook it. You know? Who cares about fitting inside of my pants? I can wear elastic waistbands, I guess. <laughs> Just half kidding. Okay, anyway, that's Lakute Torah Behukotai. Lakute Torah Behukotai continues with talking about these uh, these punishments and these rewards and uh, the section of the blessings and the curses. It says First approach the future tidings are not rewards. Some Mepharshim explain as follows, in truth, the Torah fully accepts and preaches the notion that one should serve God altruistically and be in a true relationship with Hashem that is not motivated or a and be in a true relationship with Hashem that is motivated by truth, love and passion to cleave to Hashem irrelevant of any. Incentives or prizes offered, you need to know the Torah teaches us about rewards. And behold, his reward is with him, there are treasures at his right hand forevermore. All of that, right? But that's not why we're in covenant with Hashem, that's not why we left Egypt. We left Egypt because we wanted to be with Hashem, we wanted the cleaving to Hashem, we wanted to be in the truth, we wanted to be in love. And all of that, not for the prizes, but it just so happens because we're in love with the We're cleaved to him. We're attached to love and walking in truth and all that. Well, there's going to be some incentives. There's going to be some prizes for that. It says, okay, because, again, this is all here in the Torah, right? So we left Egypt. We had our own provisions and they ran out about the 15th of ER, which, hey, we just passed over that date. So now we're in the latter part of ER now. This is when the manna started to fall. This is when our provisions ran out. We were out of water. We were out of food. And we we're like, oh, crap. What are we going to do? And it's like, is not Hashem aware of this? Why don't we ask Hashem? And all of a sudden he's like, oh, here's a, here's a rock that's going to give you water. And oh, you need some bread? Oh, psh, Sky, will you please bring down the bread, please? A- Angels, give them some of your food. The glory of Hashem is going to fall down in the form of bread so that you can eat it. This is why Mashiach said, I'm the bread from heaven. You know, like that's what the angels feast on. That's what we eat. So now we're in that stage, that same Kedusha, that same uh, experience that was available to us in the wilderness is right now available to us. So let's not complain that there's no water let's not complain that there's no bread but let's go ahead and open our mouths and ask Hashem to give us drink and give us food let's do it right now hakadosh baruku in the merit of Mashiach Yeshua just like you fed us with manna and gave us water from the rock in the wilderness may you do so right now in our day and our time for the household of every sar shalom and lapid and avenger hakadosh baruku please bring that now we ask that you will fill us to satiety, to satisfaction, so that we have no need, no hunger for um, lack of provision. May you meet all of our needs right now, just like you did for us in the wilderness. B'shem Yeshua. Okay, so it is precisely for this reason the entire Torah... In the entire Torah, no mention is made of reward that awaits in Gan Eden or Olam Haba as one must serve God irrelevant of the reward that awaits. We learn about again, we just read it in 26. Some of the things that are going to happen if we follow the Torah, but you need to know the oral Torah goes more into that. And. The fact that there are people outside of Torah, outside of covenant with Hashem that go, Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven and cast my crown before Hashem and get my, you know, my rewards and all that for living as a good and faithful servant. That is so weird because that's that only that information comes from Judaism. But yet the people who have that information and walking around and proclaiming it boldly before the world. They they say no, no to Judaism, no Shabbat. We don't want to do that Torah stuff. The law is done away with, which I made the comment on the Aliyah day today about, isn't it interesting that that book that Rabbi was talking about, about the Smita and the coming of the Mashiach and after the crash of Wall Street, like, the premise is that the Torah and the law is done away with. It's a Christian book. Like, Christians don't do Torah. They don't want to follow it. You know, why do you think they have church on Sunday? Okay, so to make a book about Shemitah, it's like either you believe in the law or you don't. Like, don't try to use Shemitah. And then when you try to get in the law and use it, you use it out of context. Shemitah doesn't apply outside of Israel. It definitely doesn't apply to Wall Street. Anyway, just something to think about. It says that um, why then does the Torah contradict this notion and mention physical rewards in exchange for our service In truth, its intent is not to give us incentive in our service, but rather to explain that if we serve God properly, he will arrange that we be free of any physical troubles that prevent us from furthering. Uh, from further advancing our relationship, the more time one needs to spend in providing a living for his family and attending his other physical needs, the less amount of time he will have available to his, his, to serve God. Thus, Hashem tells us that if say, if, if, which means, okay, I know what your reality is, but what's the greater reality. If we serve him properly with the time we have available, he will arrange that our physical needs are blessed and taken care of in a way that allows us to spend more time in serving him and building our relationship with him. You think your reality is one way. But you get into the martial arts of Thai, and then watch reality change, transform and unfold before our very eyes. And finally, Rabbi Stein Saltz on Parshai Moore, Vayikra 23, 32 through 33, says this. Moreover, you shall not profane my holy name by committing transgressions or by performing the service in inappropriate manner and I shall be sanctified among the children of Israel the verse restates the general concept that is conveyed by many by the many laws that define the practical concept of sanctity one does not stand before God merely as an individual the obligation to observe the commandments is not just the personal right or duty of a particular person. One does not stand before God merely as an individual. Can we all say that together? One does not stand before God merely as an individual. Again, to harp on this another time, people come at you sideways tell you you're not good enough, they book leadership, they say the community is terrible, blah, 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 as Stav Soldat would say, and what happens, they consider themselves to be the it, the lone wolf, if you will, no Tonto, okay, and it's just like, it's just me against the world, by myself, and what's wrong with y'all, guess what? You fell for the trick of the enemy and you're about to get eaten by a ferocious lion. Anyway, so we need to remember that the obligation to observe the commandments is not just a personal right or duty of a particular person. We can't go around telling people, no, no Torah for you. No, no Torah for you. No, no eternal life for you. No, no observance for you. Can't go around doing that. Why? Because the obligation to serve commandments is not just a personal right or duty of a particular person. We don't get to tell people they can't convert. If they want to convert, let them convert. You know the reason why a exists? Because we rejected a convert, a person who wanted to convert. You remember this lady named Timna? Yeah, read about Timna in Sanhedrin 99 and, and don't get you some of that. Amalek exists because we rejected someone from coming into the covenant. Anyway, the obligation to observe the commandments is not just the personal right or duty of a person. Rather, it's due to God's choice of the Jewish people. Hmm. The obligation to observe the commandments is due to God's choice of the Jewish people and their sanctification and how do we get sanctified? Oh, yeah. Hashem sanctifies us. As it says, I am the Lord, your sanctifier. And it goes on. Let me look at that word real quick. Uh twenty three thirty two I believe that is one of the favorite names of Hashem that I wanted to quote when I was a Christian. Mechadishim. Wait, what verse is that? Yeah, twenty-three thirty two. Okay. Let's get a uh, better headings here. Have some issues, that's not the right verse. All right, let's go over the full chapter. Lord your sanctifier Let's see here. It's at the end of everything. you must do no regular work, free will offerings, a daily free trees, da 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 All of that. Okay. Let's do it this way. oh 2232 all right 2232 that's where we were and i am the lord who sanctifies you ani adonai mekadishkem i loved this word when i was a christian i did this whole thing about the divine names and it was like hashem mekadishkem and i was like what that sounds so awesome well go figure it's the word kadosh I'm the I'm the Lord who makes you immortal. Cause remember, Siforno Shemot 19:6 says that one who is Kadosh is connected to immortality. So Hashem sanctifies us. He placed the Torah in us and gave us eternal life. Remember that blessing that we say after reading the Torah. Yeah, eternal life is found in Hashem's sanctification of us through the Torah. Okay, anyway. Just pointing that out, that Hashem Mechadishkum is a thing. So I'm reading Steintalt on 22, 32. So I apologize. So just to know all of that about profaning Hashem's name and it's the duty and Hashem sanctifies us and all that. So Hashem makes us immortal. Says the sanctity does not stem from your desire to perform the service, but from me. So the sanctity is not in by, oh, I desire to serve Hashem and I'm holy, holy, holy. The only way we're made like that is because Hashem did it. So we would do really good in remembering that. And verse 33, I am the Lord who took you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I sanctify you and I am your savior. Oh, snap. Hashem said he's our savior. I am the Lord. You belong to me. This relationship obligates you to maintain your sanctity. We have to be Kadosh if we call ourselves in relationship with Hashem. There is no other way around that. So being Behukotai is literally because Hashem has sanctified us, he's made us in covenant with Him. So, 23 uh, 2. Uh, from Stein salt springs down the holy convocations that we're supposed to have the appointed times, the holidays that we're supposed to celebrate. Okay. They're in Leviticus 23. So therefore, if we don't see our festival in Leviticus 23, we need to figure out, is it sanctifying or is it not? Okay. Where did it come from? Did it come from paganism? Did it come from Torah? You know, so, Something to think about. Many of the festivals that are celebrated by Hashem's people have no basis whatsoever in the Torah. And furthermore, they teach you to do idolatry and commercialism. Going on, it says this expression appears many times in the vessels below and may also be translated as holy occasions. See Onkelos and Targum Yonatan. The Jewish people proclaim these days as holy days when the high court, as the nation's representatives, sanctify the new moon, declaring to be the first of the month and thereby determining the ensuing day of the festival. Furthermore, the communal gatherings on the festivals proclaim their sanctity. See Ramban. The festivals are not only gatherings of the people, there are also the occasions of a meeting between the Jewish people and God. It's a meeting between Jewish people and God, not Jewish individuals. And we will learn best martial arts at its finest, Bekukotai at its finest walking in the way, of truth and the life. If we understand we're not individuals, we are communities. We are the nation. We are spark on, we are Avengers, and we must assemble. If we want the temple, and if we want redemption, we better learn how to be humble and compassionate to one another, and fight the good fight, and strain press towards a high mark, and lay the smack down on darkness and evil in all corners of the world. Namely, and ourselves and our own households, let's rectify our dote, let's develop our character, let's count this Omer, Let's get this Torah, and let's get this redemption. Baruch HaBah B'Shem Adonai, Ki Kiviti Hashem, Hakadosh baruchu please send Mashiach. And upon the conclusion of finishing the Sefer Vayikra, let us all say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek. I am Shomer Man, I've enjoyed having the RPM series Blessed be Hashem for giving me the the opportunity to do this. So the Redemption Please Mashiach series has come to a conclusion and get ready for Bumi Bar. Parsha Bami Bar coming up and Sefer Bami Bar with all its Torah portions coming up and Ode and all to get you some. So may Hashem just pour it out, pour out redemption, pour out the heavens. Let's do this. Let's get this redemption. Shalom.